You're tuned in to Beltway Beef, official commentary of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Policy Division here in Washington, D.C. I'm Chase As We're talking with J.J. Goykachia, past president of the Nevada Cattlemen's Association and current Nevada state veterinarian, member of the NCBA and PLC. J.J., you testified before the House Subcommittee on Federal Lands on behalf of the PLC, NCBA, and Nevada Cattlemen on the current state of the BLM's management of wild horses and burros. Now, you raised a number of concerns that many landowners have have that these animals and the range that they're on are not being cared for due to the overpopulation of wild horses. Yes, Chase, thank you. Since the inception of the Wild Free Roaming Horse and Burrow Act in 1971, the number of horses on our western rangeland is more than two and a half times what it was originally set at. As a result of that, we are seeing ecological destruction of a lot of our western rangelands. Keep in mind that these are in an eight to 10 inch precipitation zone, a lot of these, when you cross that threshold of ecological damage, it is impossible to bring that back. Now, as early as this year, there were letters sent out to 10 permittees in southeastern Elko County, notifying them of horse overuse within their allotments and use areas. The letters instructed them that they may need to take some voluntary reductions this year. And if the horse use continued, there may be some decisions issued uh, affecting their ability to graze their livestock. As a result of that, the state director did request a 5,000 head emergency gather in that area. But unfortunately, that request was denied by the Washington office. I'm concerned about the message that that sends when we are experiencing this economic impacts to our rural communities, as well as our ecological impacts to the rangelands. And I don't know what message that is that is being sent from Washington, that they just choose to allow this to continue year after year. And, J.J., mismanagement of wild horses is posing a number of problems, not just to the health of the horses themselves, but also to the multiple use of these lands, and the devastation of the range is impacting native species habitat. Yes, it is, and we're all very much aware of the recent West-wide land use plan amendments regarding the greater sage-grouse. And one key threat in that was the misuse or overuse of our rangelands by wild horses. That is continuing yet today. Uh, the, the very critical habitat to these birds is our wet meadow complexes, our riparian areas. And these horses tend to concentrate on there where licensed livestock is removed off of those when utilization objectives are met. There's a rest rotation. They're not all used all the time, but yet these horses are continually there year after year uh, in the same locations. The, the allotments in northeast Elko County that are being impacted by the overuse of wild horses, and, th and they're just one of many in the state, but those alone have over a million acres of sage-grouse habitat within those. And we must get ahead of that, or we can never hope to truly see improvement in the habitat for some of our endangered or threatened species. Over the past 20 years, steps have been taken to reduce the overcrowding levels. Uh, some of those populations are 500 to 2,000 percent over the appropriate management level. Now, one of the past proposals has been a reduction in breeding through the administration of fertility drugs, but uh, as you pointed out in your testimony, that too has its drawbacks. Sure it does, Chase. Your fertility drugs are an excellent tool, but they're an excellent tool when you start from a baseline. We are starting from a level, that, again, it is two and a half times above where we need to be. And the current policy is we will use fertility drugs, and over 15, 20 years through attrition, we will get down to that baseline where we need to be, or low AML, appropriate management level. 
I'll, I'll give you a prime example in Nevada of an HMA where this was promised in 1997 through an environmental assessment that we were going to use PZP. Starting in 1997, they promised over the course of the next 19 years, through judicious use of the product to curb reproduction, we would be at AML in 19 years. We are now 19 years ahead. That HMA was gathered two years ago, and today sits at 400% over AML already again, and they are again promising to use PZP for the next 15 years to bring it in line. It will not work by itself in these large remote areas, some of them a quarter million acres, others up to one and a half million acres in size. We cannot effectively treat these horses year after year as is required with this PZP. We must think beyond that to more of a long-term surgical spay and neuter type reproductive alteration. From your perspective, what are some of the long-term solutions that we can use to strike the multiple use balance that we need between wild horses, cattle and sheep grazing, and wildlife habitat in these public and federal lands? Well, again, I think we're at a critical crossroads right now. We don't have 15 years to wait. Uh, I'm not sure we have 15 months in some cases to wait. So what we need to do, we need to collectively pull together. We must find the space to put these excess horses in. Um, now, if that means removing the older horses so we do not burden the system for 20 and 30 years, but perhaps 10 or 15 years, then we can do that. Remove the older horses, release the younger horses back, but again, once they are spayed and neutered, we need a permanent solution to the reproductive problem. It will require probably some voluntary reductions with domestic livestock in some places as we work through this over the next couple of years, but we must get back to those AML levels established by the Wild and Free Roaming Horse and Burrow Act because those were specifically made based upon natural ecological balance, and we must get back to that, and then truly multiple use will go forward as it was intended with this act and also a subsequent act of FLIPMA. Now, you're on the ground. You live and work there in Nevada. And for those that don't, uh, there is a real crisis going on here where we've got ranchers that are, are being forced off their allotments. But not only that, above and beyond that, we also have wild horses that are, are, are starving, are, are dying of dehydration. I mean, there is, a, there is a real animal welfare component to this. And there's that multiple use component as well. So can you give some sense of kind of of the urgency? You know, Chase, in the early 90s, I witnessed a mass die-off of wild horses in what is now the diamond complex. At that time, it was not a herd management area or a complex. It was just a horse area, largely unmanaged. And I cannot tell you the impact that witnessing a starving foal nursing a dead mare had upon me at that time. It is unacceptable to use starvation and dehydration as population management tools. Those of us in the livestock industry that truly care for animals, whether our own or a client's, have a moral obligation to ensure that those animals under our care are cared for in the best way possible. This should apply to the Bureau of Land Management as well. They are tasked with these horses. I saw a video just last fall of a young stallion who died of dehydration. And I don't need to tell you that it was one of the most moving videos I have ever seen. I am thankful that that was not made public because it leaves a mark on you that you will never forget. The American public needs to witness exactly what is happening on our western rangelands to these horses. These groups that say it is nature taking its course, I challenge them to stand by and watch these horses collapse from dehydration and die. It is not appropriate.
Thank you, JJ. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until we meet again, check us out online at beltwaybeef.com or visit us at beefusa.org.